All right, I hope you are ready. Tom Girardi has finally appeared in court for his competency hearing, and I have someone that was boots on the ground at the courthouse here with all the tea. Plus, Erica Jane has reacted to Tom Girardi's like late recent outings, and Kim and Croy are divorcing again. We have a lot that we're going to get into, but I hope you're ready for it because it's going to be a jam-packed episode. Let's dive in. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. You're one of my favorite interviewers. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. That's 24-7. Zach, that is really funny. From the latest news on The Real Housewives, deep dives into celebrity legal scandals, and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Okay, I can spill all the tea by myself, because even though I live in downtown, I didn't go to the courthouse to see Tom Girardi, who showed up in his little slippers, his little his bedroom slippers. But I know I have a lot of opinions based off of what I saw, but I didn't get a first-hand account, but I do know someone that did. You know her. You love her. You're probably already following her on the Instagram. She is the queen behind the talk of shame. Please welcome Kiki Monique. Hi. How you doing, babe? I am exhausted. I mean, it was a long day. I mean, I wish you had been there, but it was a long day. I mean, listen, I'm I'm dealing with my own long days here with two <laughs> six-month-old puppies. Um but I mean, you came, I was watching your Instagram stories. You came with the notes. You were, you were prepared. How long was the day in court? It started at 830. Uh, and then I think they were done by around f- between five and 530. Wow. That's a whole day. That's like a full school day. Yeah. And they're not even done. I mean, they yeah. still only got through, you know, two witnesses. They still have to finish up the second witnesses. And then they still have Tom's witnesses. Yeah. So what happened? It was just the um, cross examination that we got in the first day, right? They were questioning the experts that originally evaluated Tom and determined that he is fit to stand trial. And now it's his attorneys that are kind of fighting back to prove that he does really have this advanced Alzheimer's and dementia, correct? Yeah, the prosecution has two witnesses, Dr. Maria or Dr. Diana Goldstein and uh, another doctor. And yeah, it was essentially. Tom's attorneys cross-examining Diana Goldstein and, you know, they're just trying to, to pick apart her report because she released in June that he's he's fit. He's competent to stand trial. So we saw him arrive at the courthouse um, and he definitely looks like he's not all there, right? He showed up in slippers. He showed up in an oversized blazer. Um, to me, even if he is, like, not of sound mind... Someone of sound mind had to have helped him get dressed. So to me, the attire maybe felt a little intentional. What's your take on it? What was your reaction when you first saw him? The oversized blazer, the mixed match clothes, the slippers. Like, why are we letting him out in slippers to appear in court in slippers? Who is the nurse that's watching him? Exactly. I mean, it's like part of you feels bad because you're like, okay, if this man really, you know, can't put on any other shoes and slippers, you feel bad. But at the same time, you're like, there are so many comfy shoes that are not slippers that people who are helping him could have put him in. And, you know, the baggy pants. Look, I really felt like he was wearing a diaper. Now, whether or not he needed the diaper 
TBD. According to his lawyers, he is incontinent and he does need it. I don't know if he was wearing a diaper, but it felt like the overly large pants were to, to almost exaggerate and show that. And then just the colors, you know, it was like a mustard brown, you know, extremely baggy pant with this like, you know, blazer. Where did these clothes even come from? Yeah, it felt performative, right? Because I'm like, he used to show up in court. He used to be, like, dressed to the nines. And, like, listen, he has lost some weight that I want to believe that, like, okay, maybe the clothes don't fit him as well. Go to Ross. Like, you don't need to get anything fancy. You know, he's clearly got enough money to support him at this, you know, elderly care facility that it's like he's got some money to go to TJ Maxx and put on a cute little outfit to show up in court and be presentable. Yeah, and I can't imagine, you know, yes, he's bankrupt. I don't think they took every stitch of clothing from him. I have to imagine some of his existing threads went with him to the home. I mean, just to me, why would you let him leave in in slippers? The attorneys. But I think it's because it was intentional. It was designed to show that he, you know, maybe is a lot more, you know, not with it than the, the prosecution is trying to make it out to be. And he was really tan. I kept noticing like how tan he was and who knows, like maybe, you know, they put him out in the sun at the home and, you know, he just is able to get some rays. It is California. I don't know. So after seeing him in person up close, what was your impression of him? Because the prosecution seems clear that he seems of sound mind and the only like mental or cognitive decline is pretty much standard for somebody his age, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what we learned. You know, it's so interesting listening to these doctors even just talk about dementia and Alzheimer's and mild cognitive impairment, all these things, because the reality is they all agree that at age of 85, 19% of people who are 85 have dementia. That's one in five. So just the likelihood that he would have it is very high. I haven't been around a lot of people, luckily, that have been dealing with dementia, but I was sitting next to people who have. And, you know, certain things, you know, when you are in a court, they say all rise. He would stand up and nobody was prompting him. So it just felt like he knew to stand up. When people were talking, when he, you know, the experts were on the stand or when the judge was speaking or when his lawyer was speaking, he would look around and, you know, it just felt like he was he he was at least paying attention. And you again, I told you, we were there for, you know, an eight-hour day. You know, I'm getting fidgety. I'm moving around. And he was very just focused. He didn't fidget around. He didn't do any of the things, the outbursts that you might expect. Yeah, because I, you would think at some point there would be some sort of agitation, right? Especially with Alzheimer's being part of his diagnosis. You would think that like having to sit there that entire time without really being any mentally stimulated or in any sort of way, just kind of having to be there, you would think that there would be some sort of outburst or some sort of reaction at some point. So this hearing, though, is to determine what is for the judge. We're not at a jury trial yet. This is just to determine whether or not a jury trial is something that will actually happen happen if Tom Girardi is determined to be by a judge of sound mind to to stand trial then the jury trial will proceed and the charges will proceed if not and they realize that he is not of sound mind then they can't pursue the charges right that's my understanding they can't pursue the charges against him but there are other people who do not have dementia that I think will you know yeah you know we have the CFO we have many yeah. other people but you know I think people want to go after Tom yeah we have Christopher Camone, we have David uh, David Lira, Lira, we have uh, Keith Griffin, and my understanding is 
Tom Girardi is very much trying to pass the buck off onto Camone, right? The bookkeeper, the CFO, the bookkeeper that yeah. became the CFO. The, yeah. And that was part of the, um, you know, prosecution at Dr. Diana Goldstein. That was part of her argument for why she believes Tom is, you know, coherent or at least competent enough to stand trial. Because she said, you know, in her examinations, there would be time where he would be like, you know, you know, Camone stole the money and, and and kept throwing him under the bus. And she's like, these charges came in 2022, 2023. Well, when you should have been well into dementia, the type of dementia that your team is saying you have, it, it would be profound dementia. You would not be able to retain these new memories of knowing these things. Right. Unless he was aware of what Camone was doing at the time and didn't and turn the other cheek, which you would think wouldn't be the case if he was really stealing money and, you know, even skimming off the top for himself. Come on. Um, who is awaiting his court date, right? Because he's all he's currently in custody after trying to sneak off to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. After liquidating all his U.S. assets and then trying to dip out to the Bahamas and be like, no, nah, I wasn't trying to skip town. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. No, that's not fishy at all. No. What, what would you say were your biggest takeaways that you, you know, uh, walked out of the courtroom, courtroom with yesterday? You know, I would say that it, it's clear that uh, Dr. Goldstein's report that came out in June clearly got to Tom's team because they spent, uh, I mean, four, five hours just on her cross examination, they and it was a lot of repetitive, uh, and and the and you know his his lawyer was very um, you know if there's a jury there you 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 play up for the jury you know you you turn to them you do all these things. there's no jury there but he still was very playing it up he was turning around he was repeating himself and at one point the judge even had to say um, you know sir you j I have read these reports. I'm fully aware. You you don't have to repeat yourself. You only have I'm the only one who has to know these things. But I think because he knew that the media was there, yeah. I almost felt like he was playing up to that. So that was like kind of, you know, really interesting. Um but it just seems like obviously her report is pretty damning and and the thing she was saying, I mean, I I get it. I mean, she was Pulling out some things. Yes, because I'm from your recap, I also remember hearing that she would throw hypothetical scenarios at Tom, that she would ask him about things specifically and he was a little unclear, but then she would throw a hypothetical at him as, as to how he as an attorney would handle these things in court. And he seemed very with it in terms of what his strategy would be. Yeah, I mean, she would, you know, bring up his indictment and she said, you know, he would go non-responsive. But yeah, throw out hypotheticals like, you know, imagine this scenario and he would, you know, this is how I would do it. Um, and that was another thing, you know, sitting there, the fact that he was so, you know, focused and aware and, you know, there were times I wanted to nod off because you'll be, you know, you've been in courtrooms, yeah. it gets boring. And I wanted to nod off, but he was always aware. It almost felt like he was you know, exhilarated to be in a court again. Cause you know, look, he's been in a home for how long? This is probably the most excitement he's had. So that also just made me feel like he kind of knew what was happening. Yeah, because they're accusing him of malingering, right? Which is basically saying that he's exaggerating this diagnosis. Do you feel like after seeing him in person, do you feel like there was a bit more of a performance or do you kind of really see that shell of a man that we get when we see photos of him? The problem is, is that I do think he has a mild cognitive disorder. Yeah. 
And I think the longer he sits and I will say rots away in a home with no use of his brain, it's only going to get worse. So like, I just think it's this weird, I don't know if you say chicken before egg, because like, I, do I think he was competent enough to stand trial at one point? Yeah. Do I think over time it's going to be impossible? Also. Yeah. And that's what the judge is going to have to determine, because I think when you're sitting in an old folks home and you're not really getting any sort of stimulation, you know, and you're kind of just checking out because at this point he has no reason to not check out because he doesn't want to face whatever he did and he doesn't want to face the charges that are, you know, being brought against him. So I think at that point you do kind of check out because it's easier to drift away. Mm hmm. And so the L.A. Times released a clip from an interview with Erica, which appears to be from the day that we all went to Kimberly Archie's ice cream launch, which Erica, you know, showed up to and and spoke to some of the the victims of Girardi Keese or former clients of Girardi Keese. And in that, she kind of reacted to some of the photos that we've seen of Tom Girardi online, basically saying, you know, this is not the way that he would have wanted to have ended his career. He definitely appears to be a shell of himself. She said that she isn't the one that goes and visits him and she doesn't know who is going off and visiting him. I think, what do you think of her position in all of this? Do you think that, you know, we'll have to see more of her in court or do you think that, you know, at this point, the 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 legal system is really trying to pursue the attorneys at Girardi Keys? I think they're trying to pursue them. The judge did bring up that she might call collateral witnesses. I don't think Erica will be one of them. I think if anything, it will be other people that the experts had interviewed to get their, you know, people who've known him for 20 years and say like either they've saw changes, you know, one of the people they brought up was the housekeeper who, you know, I feel terrible about. She's been his housekeeper since 1998 you know, 1998 to 2020. And now, you know, she has no job. Um, But, you know, she was one of the ones that was interviewed and said, you know, after the accident, the rollover incident that, you know, we all talked about, you know, um, that he did change and that she had to start hiding his keys from him. Um, And so there was like, you know, there's compelling evidence on both sides, you know, people who've known, been around him for 20 years who say he changed after a certain part. Um, So, yeah. But I don't think Erica, I don't think she'll be called as, a, as, a, as one of those witnesses. I feel like at this point, because that's like some, those are some of the comments that are coming up in the live chat. It's like, what does this mean for Erica? And I'm like, this doesn't mean much for, like at this point, like Erica's moving forward because all the lawsuits that have come up against her, you know, they, they've continued to have gotten dismissed because they can't prove any culpability. And again, culpability and likability are two different things. I understand that her behavior on the show is not very savory and, you know, people have not liked all of her behavior on the show. We'll have to see what this new season brings, but it's like, that doesn't mean that the culpability is there just because you don't like her. You know, she's trophy wife number three. And it's like if we keep pursuing, like there's no need to continue to go down that road if all roads keep leading back to the law firm that she didn't work at. Yeah. And the reality is, look, she's going to be roped up in this for for years because there's so much to untangle. Um, And so, like, things will get dismissed and, you know, maybe she'll have to like, you know, maybe she'll have to be deposed for some things. We don't know. It's just going to go on and on. Yeah. Wasn't there a moment where um, one of the witness, the expert witnesses that was called, they talk about showing Tom a photo of Erica and he didn't recognize her? Yeah. And so that was a back and forth. You know, the um, Dr. Goldstein talked about how, 
you know, Tom claimed to not recognize Erica. And there was this photograph that he had in his office. And he said, like, he didn't recognize. And then she said, well, then he turned around and said, oh, I'm just joking. Um, And the expert witness was just like, you know, I believe he was joking. And also this picture of Erica was like, she had no makeup on. It was pre-plastic surgery. So (laughs) (laughs) they're a little shade. Little shade. (laughs) I mean... See, but then him being able to even joke kind of speaks to, like, the fact that he is kind of with it. I mean, again, I don't know the extent of, you know, obviously his team is trying to claim that the Alzheimer's and the Alzheimer, uh, yeah, diagnosis and dementia, like, that's very far progressed. Um, I don't know what it's like to care for somebody at that progressed state. So I don't know how in it or out of it they are. My understanding is they do have moments where they are kind of tuned in and they may be, you know, a little aware of what's going on, but it kind of feels like he's a little more aware than he isn't. And maybe in the moments that he's not fully aware, they seem to be very convenient moments that he's not tapped into what's going on. It's interesting, though, because it's like, you know, a lot of the witnesses, you know, that I would say are for the defense side are, you know, they spoke with like the person who is overseeing his care at the home he is at. And they very much, it's like on one hand, they say, well, his care hasn't changed. But on the other hand, they're also saying, well, we've had to clean his room. We've seen feces on his uh, towels and once on his sheets. You know, he now has to have assistance in and out of the shower. And so, you know, you kind of look at those people because now those are the people that are caring for him every single day in this moment. And so I think that that may weigh heavily with the judge because they're saying, you know, why this manager of this facility has no vested interest in, you know, trying to make sure he has more dementia than not, you know? And again, if you're not active and you're kind of just sitting there, not really stimulating your mind, your mind will continue to deteriorate. And I think he probably wants to lean into that because he doesn't want to face the music of what the reality of his situation is. It, it, it For sure. You know, I was trying, you know, obviously, like when we left the courtroom, uh, you know, Josie Hernandez, who's one of the, his victims, she was there. And at one point she yelled at him. She was like, you're a thief. And I wanted to see if there was any reaction in his eyes. Like that was something I was really trying to like see, like, did he recognize people when he saw it felt like when he came into the courtroom, you know, it definitely felt like he looked towards Kimberly Archie, you know, it just, it felt like there was a recognition there. And like, again, I don't know much about dementia, but it seems like a lot of people say there's a, an emptiness behind the eyes where, you know, and it didn't feel like there was too much emptiness yet. Like, yes, it felt like he wanted to be in his own world, but it didn't feel like he, it felt like he was maybe wanting to be versus like, not having a choice to be. That makes sense. Yeah. And the weird, the hard part is it's like, part of me does, like I absolutely want him to be held accountable for the crimes that he's committed, but also at the same time, and this is why the legal system has these protections in place. And it's like, you can't pursue somebody that is not of sound mind. And so it's like, I mean, what is justice for Tom Girardi at this point? Like, that's the real question is it's like what locking him up in in prison. Is that really the best use of our resources? Or, you know, is he currently in prison being that he doesn't have the accolades and the, the awards or the legacy that I think meant so much to him at one point? That's the thing. I mean, look, the last... 40 years of Tom Girardi's life have been fantastic. He has flown on private jets. He has dined with, he was one of the most powerful people 
in, if not even California, maybe even the whole, you know, United States. He was a very powerful man. So he led a good life. So if the last however many years of his life are just like in a room, nobody feels bad for him. And like, say la vie, you know, if you have dementia, sorry, I guess that's might be the best thing because maybe you won't even realize what's happening to you. But I almost want you to, to realize what's happening to you. So, you know, it's all taken away. But I think what, why it's important to continue to pursue, because the more he is sitting in that chair, the more comes out about just how corrupt the system was as a whole, yeah. you know, because I think a lot of um, people really do want to like push it off as like, oh, these are these are some bad guys doing some bad yeah. things. And it's like, no, you enabled it and you're not going to get away with this. And I think that's why the prosecution is pushing so hard is to make an example out of him because like this is not, and I mean, it's not just Tom Girardi. Like people don't realize that <laughs> like, this is a big oversight in the system. Like this looks like the state bar was helping to cover things up. I'm not accusing them of that, but I'm saying it looks like he was able to get through some loopholes in order. And I mean, based off of some of the reporting by the LA times, it seems like he had people in his pocket that were enabling this behavior. I mean, we have, you know, justice, uh, Trisha Bigelow, Gigolo Bigelow that was out there getting a brand new butt and a beach house from Tom Dwight. She's a judge. Like it's like insane to me. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like there is a bigger there's a bigger game at play. And it's like if, you know, Tom Girardi is just one of the pieces and we're all hoping that this is the first domino to fall that exposes the corruption within the system and then can hopefully correct the system, you know, as best as we can. But first we have to turn on the blue light to even see where the stains are at. And Tom Girardi just happens to be the biggest stain in the center of the carpet. It's, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> so is there another court hearing set yet? Another date set yet? No, I think originally we thought it could, it would have been Monday, but um, essentially at the end of the, at the end of the hearing, the prosecution and the defense agreed to discuss because they have out of town experts and they're like, you know, maybe we finish some of this up in zoom. And so they're going to talk, figure out what a day works for them. And then they're going to reach out to the judge's assistant and then make sure it matches with her calendar. So we don't know the day I sure it will be published, you know, soon. Yeah. When it is, I mean, it's here in downtown, so I'm, I'm going to try to make the next one. Um, this one was a bit challenging. Well, I mean, listen, we have we have Kiki Monique, boots on the ground, who's our <laughs> field reporter, um, which you guys do need to follow her on Instagram because she gave a great uh, four minute recap of like the biggest takeaways from the from day one. So definitely recommend following the talk stream, which I'm sure most people are because you have like, you know, five million followers. You're killing, you're killing it on the gram. Every time I go on, I'm seeing you and the Zen Blonde. I'm like, they're killing it. Why am I even here? Like they're, they got it down. Between the info and the funny memes, you guys are are, are, are killing it. Um, any other takeaways from, you know, the court appearance or anything that you thought was funny, interesting, enlightening, bizarre? Um, you know, I just think, Honestly, it was actually just really exciting to kind of be there and see things that I see online. Like, again, like the court reporter, uh, I mean, the sketch artist, Mona Schaefer-Edwards, that we always see her amazing sketches. To see her there just like actually drawing away, it's like really cool, you know. And then obviously uh, Megan Kuniff, Meg the reporter who got really big during the Meg the Stallion trial. You know, she's over in the corner. It's just like fun to see. the. I, I might just like start going to trials. I don't know. On my days <laughs> where I have nothing to do. I don't know. It was like kind of fun. 
I mean, it, there is that excitement of being in the trial, but then there's also like the the mundane like drag oh out. Like I remember even the like the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial or the Gwyneth Paltrow trial. Like those were fun to watch, but there were some points where you're just like, oh my god, I can't. It's oh yeah, like I was like, I need to like. Luckily, you can you know leave and come in, and you don't you know you're not stuck there till break. Because I was like, I need to like go get some air and you have to turn your phone off. So, you know, you, not having access to your phone for hours, you know, us, we get fidgety. <laughs> yes, I agree. Fidgety. And we're always looking for the next thing. Yeah. Um, okay. This is an interesting comment from Nacho Mama. She said, I feel like it's kind of sad that he stole money mostly for Erica to keep her around or whatever. And now he's like dead to her. I get it because she's being, she's being drug along but she enjoyed the money. I find it so interesting that we keep bringing it back to Erica when it's like he was doing, I mean, the allegations against him go back way before Erica. There were two other wives before her and so many people benefited from this and not only benefited from this, but also were culpable in this. They were aware of what was going on. They were signing the checks. They were allowing money to come in in and out of bank accounts that, you know, they knew shouldn't be coming in and out of even, you know, Jay Edelson, who I adore and I think is, you know, doing a great job. You know, even he caught into it, caught on to it at some point really quickly. And then that's when he was like, hold on. Now we need to, you know, we need to really investigate and look into this. So it's clear that like what was going on was going on for a while. And there were many people that benefited from this scandal. And I get it. Eric is kind of the, um, you know, the lightning rod in it in the sense that she's the biggest media headline. But I feel like, you know, there are so many other people that really were involved in this that we need to be talking about more than Erica. Yeah. And and also the reality is, is that a lot of people hung around Tom because what he gave away and gave away and, and had fun. And he liked doing that. He liked to be the, the center of attention yeah. and like throwing these lavish parties and, you know, giving these extravagant gifts. He enjoyed being playing God in that way. So Yes, it's easy to focus on Erica because she was on a television show, but lots and lots of people got, you know, millions and millions of dollars or perks or gifts in other ways. And it sucks because it wasn't his money. But imagine if you were just hanging around some, you know, sugar daddy that just wanted to like, you know, throw gifts on you. None of us would really quite, I'm sorry, right now I probably wouldn't, if, if some guy thought it was hot and just wanted to take me on trips and stuff, yeah. I'd be like, let's go. I mean, but not even just some guy that's hot, but it's like, you have to think about, it. we all have a friend that maybe throws some killer parties, right? You're not questioning where that money's coming from. You're like, oh, the Dubros are killing it. They're throwing another party. Like, let's go to the party. Let's go drink the fancy champagne. Like, you're not thinking about those things. And so, yeah, all these years later when you're realizing, oh, the champagne was bought with some really unsavory money that puts things into a very different perspective but at the time nobody's asking questions when the champagne's flowing you're just living life and enjoying it you're like my friend can afford champagne and caviar i'm gonna show up to the party look i am from new york i have partied with some people that i i will say are questionable but you know what it was all i knew is like we had VIP service, bottle service in the middle of the club. They were clearing spaces for, I did not, I didn't care. I was like, we're having a great time. Yes, exactly. You're just kind of, I mean, even now, like 
with the world that we're in when we get to go to these fun, extravagant parties that brands are paying for. I'm not looking to see where the brand is making the money. I'm just assuming like the brand got the bank and they're paying for the meal. I'm I'm here for the free drinks. I'm here for the open bar, you know? Oh my God. Um yeah, what a what a time. But it is alive. interesting that you bring up too. Uh, you know, I have also noticed. You know, obviously, I hate to say we're in it for clicks, but we are in it for clicks, and not, I don't say that in a clickbaity way. Just like any any news source wants to be the number one right. news source, we're all looking to get the most views on stuff. And I noticed, like, you know, when I talked about the Girardi case, and it was really Erica heavy. Oh yeah, my views would skyrocket immediately. And to, you know, yesterday I was posting what I to me, this is the like the interest interesting stuff. Like this is where we get to the meat of it and we find out. And I'm like, people are not really into it. It's interesting. It's like because I don't have Erica attached to it, suddenly it's mm-hmm. not as interesting. Exactly. Which also makes you think like I think people were more into the fall of Erica Jane because at one point she was at a high in her life. She had the the Pasadena mansion. She had the husband. She was doing It's Expensive to Be Me. And seeing that fall, you know, rather than focusing on, you know, everyone wants to talk about the victims, but look at how many people were questioning her motive with like going and seeing the victims. And my response to that was always like, it's like, the victims were, they felt better leaving that conversation. They felt better walking out of that day, getting to see her and see, listen, we don't know what was actually said in that conversation. We were witness to it, but we weren't witness to it, right? We were in another room kind of seeing what was going on, but they left with some sort of closure. Maybe it wasn't closure to the entire situation, but they left with something that made them feel better about the situation. And to me, that's the priority. If the victims are the priority, then like if this did something for them then that makes me happy you know more than I care if like even if because people are like well what, maybe it wasn't even that genuine from her end maybe it was all PR because she has her residency coming up and I'm like you know what listen even if it was all PR and she was doing it for her ego at the end of the day she was able to give them something that they didn't have yesterday mm-hmm and yeah, I think and I that think that's... that they were very clear that they they were happy and they got the apology that they wanted and like at the end of the day, I'm not a victim, so I don't have yeah. a right to speak on their behalf. And if they say that that made them feel better, then like I'm, that's what I'm sticking with. And all we can hope for is that we continue to take more steps in that direction. Yeah, you know, because like what I, you know, what I also saw at the courthouse, and I didn't speak to them. I know Kimberly, you know, spoke to them. I didn't feel right because again, I'm not a victim. I'm not involved in this other as, than as a reporter. But there was a couple that was also there, and they were clearly victims of Tom. And the uh, the white, it looked like a wife and a husband. And the wife, you know, she was crying. She was very raw. And so yeah. I don't know what their situation is, but all I know is like. You know, they see Tom and it's still very raw. And so yeah. it's like, this is where I want to focus. Like, these are the people that are hurt. You know, they're not, they're, they're probably not even thinking about Erica, those two. Because you have to remember, they put their trust in this man. He mm-hmm. sold them this story that he was going to fight for them and he was going to be their champion, their savior, their whatever. And it's like, it's not even just the loss of the money. It's the betrayal of somebody that I trusted because I felt wronged. And this person came and told me he was going to be my Superman. And he told me he was going to fight for me because he made me feel like I deserve to be fought for. And then he took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone who's ever been involved in a lawsuit, I have. Like, it is 
it goes on for a year. Like it could go on for over a year at minimum. Right. And you're just having to like, yeah, trust that this person is working for you behind the scenes and telling you all of these things. And you're like really relying on this money to like, you know, get you through. And then to know like it doesn't exist anymore. It, it, I just, it's devastating. It is. It is. Um, okay, I want your opinion on two more things. One is Kim and Croy, because now they're re- they're divorcing again. And then also, I don't know if you've seen this video of Taylor Armstrong that's been circulating about the reunion. We'll get into it, but really quickly, okay. really quickly, I do want to give a shout out to my pals at Drizzly. You guys know that I love to be a good host, and part of being a good host is having everyone's favorite drink candy. Aperol Spritz, I got you, boo. Vodka soda with a twist. Easy peasy. Spicy margarita with a tahine rim and a splash of Grand Marinier Cordon Rouge. No problem. As long as it's not a skinny girl margarita, I'm good. You know why? Because I've got Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. Drizzly is here to be your partner in parties, meaning they're here to help you take the grunt work out of the get-together so that you can be a confident host and actually party at your own party. Drizzly's the most convenient way to buy beer, wine, and spirits with delivery to your door when you want it, all from the comfort of your couch. So the convenience speaks for itself. Any true Housewives fan knows the importance of being a good party host, and a good host has Drizzly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com right now. Must be 21 or older to order. Okay, Kiki, are you ready? Yes. First, let's talk about Taylor Armstrong, because that is just like, so there's this video that's going around right now of Taylor, who it looks like she's like coming out of a restaurant and the paparazzi are there and she is lit. She is just like blasted out of her mind. And she's like, you guys, are you ready for the reunion? The OC reunion? She's like, you don't even know. This is going to be the baddest reunion ever. It's going to be so wild. She's like, and then she like gets mad at a paparazzi. She's like, you didn't even know who I was. I'm not talking to you. And then another one's like, hi, Taylor. And she's like, I'm going to talk to you because you know who I am. She's like, you guys aren't even ready for this reunion. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's going to be the dirtiest reunion you've ever seen and i'm like what is happening i just saw i just saw it before i got on with you and i was like i literally was like what what's wrong with what is this what am i looking at like you could like she was drinking it was she was having another one of uh shannon bedore's national taco day parties which we saw on oc this week where they're all just getting lit off of tequila and i mean this is the taylor we need on the show though like we don't need tmz taylor we need taylor on our television screens like this because she's just and also her man is doing her no fit he's not like come on babe let's go (laughs) he's like yeah tell him how that reunion's gonna be if my man did that i would be pissed the next day i'm like your job is to get my ass out of here Right. I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see her that wasted in, in public. And I was also surprised, yeah, that her man was just like, here we go. Like, let's just stand here till she's done. Until she's and done. not try to get her into the car or anything. Right. Her full like 10 minute rant fighting with the paparazzi because one of them didn't know who she was. And I was just like, oh, my God. I mean, it definitely gave me life. But also like, does she realize she's just like a friend of that? Like she's not really going to be in, you know, in the whole reunion. Like I just, Oh man. But like how, how I just, 
the dirtiest reunion we've ever seen. Like, what does that even mean? It means it's going to be terrible. I mean, let's be honest. I felt like, I mean, I don't know. The, this, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the dirtiest reunion we've ever seen. I'm still trying to get caught up on the last few episodes, to be honest. Even though I saw that uh, Emily was activated in this last episode. So I am actually kind of excited to see that. I just, I don't know if it's going to be, like, dirty. Because only because... We've already seen the Tamara and Jen stuff play out over and over and over yeah. and over that like all we're going to do is continue the circle jerk at the reunion. Number one. Yeah. And then number two, now we're getting into the Shannon stuff. And I don't know how much Shannon's going to divulge about how toxic her relationship is. It's been deflection, deflection, deflection that I just I feel like we're going to go around and around in a circle that I don't know how much more the reunion's actually going to bring. But there's nobody more excited about this reunion than Taylor Armstrong. Than Taylor. Yeah, Taylor Armstrong's like. Like their biggest cheerleader. So <laughs> I'm going to tune in just because of this uh, commercial, this uh, long rant. She sold me. She, she yeah. sold it. Better be five parts because she sold me <laughs> on it. I'm ready. It's so good. Um, okay. Let's talk about Kim and Croy because it's just been announced that he has refiled for divorce. So they were divorcing and then they weren't divorcing because they decided that they started to go back to church together as a family and Jesus saved them. So they were back together. And then we found out that Brielle is getting sued for credit card debt, which clearly they have terrible spending habits. And now here we are, we're getting, we're getting a divorce again. Which I don't think is a surprise. I don't think anybody thought that they weren't actually getting divorced. Like when they got back together, I think everyone was like, is it because like you think you're going to get a show deal out of this and that this makes for a better storyline? Like, and when it didn't happen, they're like, let's just like go ahead and go forward with it. Or I mean, I actually also believe sort of the rumors like where they filed for the divorce, got back together, but then like those you know, body surveillance videos from the cops, you know, started getting released and he's, and Croy started hearing things that Kim was saying. Kim started hearing things that Croy was saying and then it just didn't feel too nice anymore. I mean, it's just, it's, they're, we do need her back on Atlanta. Um, I, I, at this point, like, is it all a PR stunt? Like, because that's what people thought when they got back together. Like, oh, it was just a PR stunt to try and help her get some attention and maybe bring in some jobs and hopefully come back on Atlanta. But, like, I mean, I I can't keep up with them at this point. The problem is, is that, like, I hate when people throw out, like, it's a PR stunt, it's a PR stunt. Because what you have to realize is that when people are at this level of the career, and I mean, when I say level, I don't mean at the top. What I mean at this level, whatever level you want to call that, everything is PR. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're walking to get your mail on a Sunday afternoon. It becomes a PR opportunity. So, yes, by default – it is all a PR stunt because even if they are legitimately going through marriage issues, they are trying to figure out how to monetize it. And that is the sad reality. Look, I know that people have their things about Bethany and their rights and wrongs, but what I will say is she's absolutely right about getting caught in this cycle yeah. that you cannot get out of because this is the only way you know how to earn. They're not, these people are not getting desk jobs. These people are not going to trade school. Like they're not, doing these things yes but i think people also have to remember that it's not as like 
big strategy as they think that it is, right? Because everyone's, no. like, everyone's like, Scandaval was a PR strategy. No. It's like, no, like they're acting in the moment. They're yes. doing whatever. Like, it's not like, let me pretend, let me fake a divorce in order to like do this. Like, it's like, no, they're acting day to day. So yes. the PR students, it's like, okay, how do I keep myself relevant from today till tomorrow? It's not like, let's put a fake divorce together and put this whole PR and you're going to accuse me of this and I'm going to accuse you of that. And then Andy Cohen's going to call us and we're going to get back on the Real Houses of Atlanta. Like that's, it's not that deep. It's literally like so surface. It is like, if I got off this, you know, right now and I looked on my phone and all of a sudden there was someone trying to cancel me, right? Yeah. I would react in that moment and I wouldn't just be like, oh, my life's over. I'd be like, okay, like I'm going to have to turn this around. That's exactly what happens. It's like something happens. You, re- It's all reactionary. It's all reactionary. And it's all like, let me get from, you know, one moment to the next and just stay re- alive in the game, right? Alive in the PR game. It's so wild to me. Absolutely. Um, did you see Dumois posted? Um, they have an inside source that is claiming that Mauricio, because we saw Mauricio going around Spain. He wasn't wearing his wedding ring in his photos. They said that they now have a source that's claiming that Mauricio it was going all around, you know, Europe, claiming to have been single and claiming that, you know, Kyle's in a new relationship. And what are your thoughts on that? Do you think Kyle's going to be a late in life lesbian? Okay, I know we just said that all of these things aren't high-level strategy, but I will say when it comes to the Umanskis, I do believe with their new season coming out, they have thought it through a little bit more. I'm not saying again that they're not having a bad marriage. I do. But I also think that they have been, as we know, from she's from L.A. They have been in L.A. and Hollywood long enough to also know how to play into it for their advantage. Yeah. And what is going to make us – I think everyone was watching uh, – what is it? Selling Beverly Hills, whatever the you know, their Beverly show Hills, is. Yeah. Everyone was watching it. But, like, what's going to bring you back for season two? Because that's always a hard – you know, when you have a break, it's sometimes hard to bring people back. Especially it's been, like, a while, you know. Um, it's going to bring us back. And so we're going to watch it. And obviously – Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I don't know exactly when it's premiering, but it's going to be ramping up in the next, you know, several weeks or whatever. So, I, you know, I and then we look, I think that they know how to make certain stories look a certain way so that we remain interested. Do I also believe there are marriage problems? Yes, because they've been married for so long. I, I just like, of course there are. And, you know, why not have a lesbian storyline? It just makes everything a little bit spicier. I don't know if it was like an intentional let's have a lesbian storyline or it just kind of developed in that way. And they're like, you know what? Let's lean. Let's play with this. Let's play with the fire. Let's do the lesbian music video. Like, let's. Well, know. that's what I mean. Like, they Kyle has been in Hollywood long enough to know that if she gets her picture taken with Morgan enough times, everyone's going to say she's a lesbian. Yeah. So she was like she she knew that was going to happen is what I'm saying. <laughs> so. I want, Yes. Yes. She's not. Yeah. That's why when she was like playing this whole thing about like when Jeff Lewis made the joke on watch what happens live where he's just like, I'm surprised I'm her friend. And she never told me she was a lesbian on Ozempic. And then she was like, I don't want my friends talking about me in that way. I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Do you not like, come on. 
Also, are you friends with Jeff Lewis or are you not? Because I'm sorry, if I was friends with Jeff Lewis, I know exactly what he's going to say. Yeah, it's just, I want to know what Kathy Hilton thinks about all of this. You know, Kathy has some opinions about Morgan Wade and Mauricio and, or maybe Kathy's just happy that like Kyle's kind of going through it right now. Right? Like, I just wonder, like, I, you know, I, because I mean, she is filming Paris's new show, right? So it's like, I wonder if they'll, I I doubt they'll even talk about it. I think they're so like in their own, like, we're just going to do our own thing over here. Yeah, she's probably just like laughing at the fact that Kyle's kind of in this tornado right now. um, Yeah. And her family's not in a tornado right now. And (laughs) You know what was so funny? I had totally forgotten that Kim Richards was in the movie Black Snake Moan. Did you see that movie with no. Christina Ricci? And I saw it on TikTok oh, the other day, and yes. I was like, "I remember and then, this now." Yeah, she. They end up like right. in a fight in the grocery store. Right. I was like, "I need to go rewatch that." Like, Kim is a really good actress. Wait, since everybody thinks that everything is such a PR stunt, I think here's my PR strategy: Kathy Hilton wanted to debunk the homophobic rumors that came out last season about her dropping the slur. So she's like, you know what, Kyle, you're going to be a lesbian now and I'm going to support you. Let me pull out the gay flag and I'm going to support you. That's my conspiracy. Like I'm leaning into the Twitter conspiracy theories and I'm like, Kathy Hilton orchestrated this entire Morgan Wade lesbian late in life affair just to prove that she's not homophobic. Look, you know, I'm all down with starting. An, uh, there's so many Bravo conspiracies. Let's just, yeah, let's just like, let's yeah. lean into it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Oh my god, this has been hilarious and a blast. Thank you so much, Kiki, for chatting with me today. I Thank adore you, you for having me. It was so much fun. We need to do this more often. Um, we go live every Thursdays, and I feel like this is just so much more fun because we're live on YouTube right now. If you guys are listening to this on the podcast, you missed out because we were living life on a Thursday night. And by the time you're listening to this, now I'm in Vegas because I have to go to Erica Jane's re- – not have to. I get to go to Erica Jane's residency this weekend and then Sheena Shea's show on Sunday. So Monday's episode is going to be jam-packed. I'm going to have all the team. Busy, busy, busy Kiki, where can people go and follow you and support you if they're not doing so already? Uh, Follow me on IG and TikTok at The Talk of Shame. There you go, guys. Go to The Talk of Shame right now. Listen to all of the scoop that she's got on Instagram because she's always spilling that tea Um, and and give her some love. Give her a follow. Show her some support. And we have to do this more often because I always have a blast with you. Yes. And next time you're in downtown for the court hearing, we're going out for drinks afterwards and we'll probably Absolutely. go live on Instagram. And then <laughs> by the end of it, I want to be like Taylor Armstrong. This reunion is going to be so great. And you're just going to let me rant. <sighs> oh, thank you, Kiki. I love you. Love you too. Bye, babe. Okay, guys, now we are going to get into our Ask Zach segment of the night. Um, you guys sent in some voicemails, and I let's get into them. Let's, let's hear what we got. So we have our first one that comes from Kenny G. Hey, Kenny G, what's going on? Talk to me. Hello, Zach. This is Kenny G from Michigan. My question is, what do you think about that Bethany interview with Raquel slash Rachel? What is your opinion? Does it seem like she's getting ready to sue? Because that's kind of what I thought. I really would love your opinion. You're wonderful. Love you, Zach. You're doing such a great job in this world. You're such a light. Bye. Bye, my love. Thank you, Kenny. Hello, Zach. This is Kenny G from Michigan. 
Thank you, Kenny G from Michigan. Um, I appreciate you calling in. Um, my thought, I mean, listen, we broke it down on three different episodes of the podcast. Most recently, I had the Brav Bro Steel and Shooter on um, to to recap part three of the reunion. Do I think that they're getting ready to sue? No, I don't think this lawsuit's going to go anywhere. Honestly, I, I, I know that there was a new like below deck story that came out. Um, I mean, may, I don't think that this is going to be the big expose on reality TV that Bethany Frankel thought that it was going to be. I think she's using this to capitalize on the moment. I don't, I mean, all they have is this letter of intent to pursue, to possibly pursue a lawsuit. I don't think that a lawsuit will ultimately come forth. And if it does, I think that it'll be settled and we're just going to move on from it. And it's not going to have like the big reckoning that Bethany, she's great at marketing, right? I don't think it's going to land the way that she, She's saying that it will. And then when it doesn't, she's just going to move on to something new. Next caller is from Joanna. Hey, Zach. It's Joanna from Chicago. Hi, Joanna. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on something, really. So you were just talking in your most recent podcast that I listened to about Rachel, Rocky, Rocky, Bang, Bang, and her truth or the idea of your truth and Sheena's truth and there being different truths. What happened to the truth just in general? I know that a lot of things come with speculation on both sides and you have to honor that and whatnot, but what happened to like the good old fashioned truth of the matter? Like there's a there's something that happened and here's what it is. Uh, can I get your opinions on that? It would mean a lot. Love you. Love the pod. Go Zach Pack from Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. Um, the truth. Okay, so I mean, I definitely am a believer in like there are three sides to every story, right? There's his side, her side, and the truth. Um, but I do think we've also gotten into this like weird culture of like my truth and my truth is the absolute truth. It's like, no, your truth, your truth is your perspective. Your truth is your experience. Um, and that's not to invalidate your experience. And that's not to say that your perspective isn't real, but that's not to say, but I think we have to like, okay. So like I went through a situation recently, um, with this guy, right? And, oh God, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I'm not going to talk about much. I'm not going to give you many details, but there was a situation where he had his version of what he, you know, uh, remembers happening from his perspective. And then I had mine, but obviously, and then I called a friend, I phoned a friend and I said, Hey babe, like I need your kind of like objective take on this because this is my side. And this was my, you know, there's the context that I'm adding to this conversation. I know, you know him as well. You've heard his side of things. Like you've heard his side, you've heard my side. Now can we, can you objectively tell me what you see from this situation. Am I being crazy in this instance? Is my feeling about this, you know, is my gut instinct on this a little more spot on? Am I totally off the radar? Like, give me your opinion. And he did. And he analyzed it after knowing both of us and being a friend of both of us and being able to kind of provide a little bit of clarity. And then I got to see the parts where like, maybe I was wrong or maybe I read into things a little too much or maybe I was being a little, you know, cuckoo crazy or whatever and vice versa and you know the other guy's side as well 
But sometimes we need that objective take. And when somebody comes at a situation objectively, they're looking at it from a lens that we can't see it. We see things through tunnel vision. So yes, you do have my truth and your truth is your experience. It's not necessarily truth. It's experience. It's perspective. Sometimes it's opinion. Um, but it doesn't make it truth, right? I mean, you can say, I was hurt, I feel this way, my emotions, you know, this is bringing this up for me, whatever the case may be, you're entitled to have those feelings, you're entitled to have that experience, but that doesn't mean that objectively it means what you think that it means. And so I do agree here, Joanna, we've gotten lost of the objective truth because we only think that our truth and our experience is the only one that matters. And that's this main character energy that everybody wants to come at life from without realizing we're not the main character in every single story, right? We're the main character in our story, but sometimes there is other context that we need. And sometimes we do need friends or we do need people that can check us and kind of get us back in line and take a little bit of accountability, right? And take a little bit of responsibility for, you know, maybe reading too much into a situation or not reading enough into a situation or ignoring certain signs or whatever the case may be. We can be wrong, Right. And just because that's not how we identify our truth to be is that we're wrong because nobody ever wants to identify that. That doesn't mean that we're not wrong in certain instances. And so we need to get back to that accountability culture rather than my truth culture. So I do agree with you. Um, Okay, let's talk to Faye. Jack, this is Faye again. I wanted to leave you another message about Rachel. Um, Before I do that, I just want to say I love your podcast. My comment is that. I believe Rachel mentioned something about uh, being at the uh, uh, a rumor coming out that she was at a spa and th- that her team reached out to Bravo to to let the public know, but Bravo wanted it to be more salacious. The problem with that statement is if Bravo at any point, even though they knew that she was in a specific mental health facility. If they said it out loud, that is a HIPAA violation. The only person that could release that type of information would have been Raquel herself. It is possible if her parents are her healthcare proxy agents, they might be able to do that, but I'm not sure. That's also the reason why TMZ didn't release that information. Nobody can except for Raquel herself. Thank you. Bye. Good point. Thank you, Faye. Um, Good point. I don't know if that's factually correct because I'm not super up to date on HIPAA laws. Um, But... I can say that the point that you make is a very valid point because it's the same sort of argument that Rachel's team is making, Raquel's team, or that she was making in the Bethany interview about saying that, you know, any sort of release of my information is a violation of my HIPAA rights, which is not true. The HIPAA rights only protect, from my understanding of it, is it only protects you from healthcare professionals from releasing your private information. Like your doctor can't go and give 
an interview to TMZ and release your private information without your consent or permission. So, I mean, I think in this case, since Rachel's team was giving Bravo permission, maybe there's a little more leeway. But by the same standard that Rachel was was kind of holding everybody too when it came to her HIPAA rights being violated I think that this is a really good point and it it goes by that same standard that Rachel was setting and so in this case I agree with you Faye I think you know it definitely shows like Bravo shouldn't have said anything to protect you because they were trying to protect your HIPAA rights because you don't know how HIPAA rights work um and so you know by her own understanding of HIPAA, this would have been a violation of her HIPAA rights. Okay, last one we'll take. Well, actually, maybe we'll open up for people that want to call in live right now. Um, yeah, maybe we'll take like two calls for live. Let me give you the number. So if you want to call, you can call into 323 323- 389. If you're listening to this on the podcast, and unfortunately you can't call in live, but if you're watching this on YouTube, you can call in live right now and leave a voicemail, and I'll play it in just a few minutes. So the number is 323 323- Three eight nine five nine one five. That's three two three five. Oh, sorry, three two three three eight nine five nine one five. I'll even post it in the live chat. So if you want to call right now, you can leave a voicemail in the moment, and I'll take maybe two of those calls. Oh, somebody is saying. Um, or responding to, okay, so we have Dora Rodriguez and Dora Rodriguez says HIPAA violation is medical healthcare professionals. I'm a registered nurse. Okay. Thank you, Dora. That's my understanding of it as well. Doctors, nurses, you know, anybody that's in the healthcare field, they can't talk about certain things. I remember even when I was in therapy, um, for, and I was in treatment for my eating disorder. I remember even my therapist wasn't allowed to come on my podcast for at least, I think it was a year after, you know, we finished treatment or I stopped seeing her that she was able to talk about it with my permission. So there are HIPAA protections in place. Rachel's standards that she reveals on Bethany's podcast were not accurate. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, by the same, you know, guidelines that Faye set out, that's also, you know, a real thing. Okay, we have another call. This one comes from Canada. Hi, Jack. I'm calling from Canada. Uh, love the pod. Um, I would love to know your thoughts um, after the past week of Real Housewives of Orange County. I'd love to know if you think Vicky will come back next season and if you think that's going to be a good move or a bad move. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Hi, my love. I don't think you left me your name, but I appreciate you calling in. It's a call from Canada. Question was uh, my thoughts on OC and whether or not Vicky should return and what are my thoughts about Vicky appearing this season. Um, I like Vicky this season and I like Vicky in a friend of role. I don't think that Vicky should um, come back in a full-time role. I just think she's great in this role, right? And so I kind of feel like it works, right? It's a good friend of position. She gets to dip in. She gets to be fun. She gets to take shots with everybody. And I think that, you know, some housewives can graduate to that level where they can be, you know, they can be cool and be um, fun. And we don't need to dive into the heavy drama. Like I always thought Kathy Hilton was a great uh, friend of. And I think, you know, in this case, Vicky is also a really good friend of as well. Um, so I would love to see Vicky continue to come back in that capacity. I don't think we need her full time. So hopefully we, you know, can stick to this this good, fun vibe. Um, okay, we do have another call that just came in right now. 
Um, okay, let's play. I haven't heard it, so we're playing it live. Hi. I was curious on how you felt about Tom Sandoval being able to go back to VPR and film with everybody, but not Raquel. Do you think it's just because he has a longer-standing friendship with everyone there, or why does it always seem like the girl that gets the brush? That's all I'm wondering. Thanks. Bye. Um, great question. Guys, also, when you do call in, please give me your first name and where you're calling in from, so that way I can give you that shout-out. Um, I do believe that there are instances where there is a double standard with men and women. Absolutely. In this case, I don't believe that is the case. I don't believe that Raquel didn't have a fair chance because she was allowed back, but she made it clear on Bethany's Frankel, uh, sorry, she made it clear on Bethany Frankel's podcast that the reason she didn't come back is because they didn't want to pay her the money that she wanted. She wanted to be paid equally as Tom and Ariana. I don't even think Tom and Ariana are making the same money because Tom is a season one OG. Ariana came in later. She didn't become a full time cast member until I believe season three. Rachel, on the other hand, became a full-time cast member last season. So she was never going to make the same money as Tom and Ariana. And like, listen, I get it. She was at the center of the scandal for this season, for season 10. You're not going to be the center of the scandal for every single season. So you can expect to, to, you can expect a bonus, which it sounds like she got the bonus and she earned 360 or sorry, 316 or 361,000 hundred thousand dollars from uh Vanderpump Rules this past season so it seemed like she was able to cash in on that to an extent but I don't think that there was an unfair advantage of her to um not be able to return in the same way that Tom was able to return so unfortunately I don't think that there was an unfair advantage that Tom has. I do think that you have to add the context that he does have these longer standing relationships with people. Um, and so there is a lot more stakes because they've known him for a lot more time than they've known Rachel. And so I just, you know, I don't think that there's a double standard in this case because she had the opportunity to come back. She didn't come back because she wanted more money and it is what it is. Okay. Next one. Hi, Zach. It's Faye again. Um, it actually is a hip violation. It's a oh. violation of your privacy. So if you were working for, if you were working for a corporation and the corporation knows that you're diabetic, if they said that you take insulin to anybody, you could sue them because that literally you, nobody is allowed to to publicly talk about your private medical issues. Nothing. Thank you. Okay. I mean, listen, a ner we were getting different opinions of it. Um, regardless, it seems like Bravo was trying to protect themselves by not addressing it, and it wasn't so much to make it scandalous or salacious that Rachel was not at a spa and she was actually at a mental health facility. So, I mean, listen, we're getting mixed reviews in the comments and not. So, yeah. Um, I, uh, privacy rights versus HIPAA. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. And, uh, there is a difference between privacy rights and HIPAA violations and HIPAA rights as well. In this case, I'm solely going based off of what Rachel Raquel said and what her, 
you know, how she feels that she was violated or wronged in that way. Um, I'm seeing that there are a lot of calls that have come in, but not a lot of voicemails. Guys, when you call the hotline, it is to leave a voicemail and then the voicemail will be played. We're not taking actual live calls. So if you do call into the hotline, um, the Zach Pack hotline, you can leave a voicemail and we will discuss it on the show. I'll do this again next week as well. So every Thursday when we go live on YouTube, I will do the Ask Zach hotline for all Zach Pack members. The number, again, which you can write down and save, you can either call and leave a voicemail now or you can do it next Thursday. I suggest you get it in, in advance. Um, that way we have time to to listen to the call and, and, and I can react to it live on the show. But the number, once again, is 323-389-5915. That's 323-389-5915. And you can leave me a voicemail. I'll play it on the show. I'll react to it live. Be sure to mention your name and this and where you're calling in from. So this is Rocky Rocky Bang Bang from Tucson, Arizona. Arizona. And watch out because I'm about to steal your man. Obviously, ask me a question as well. But don't steal my man because I don't have a man for you to steal. Zach, I tried, but it said the Google subs- subscriber was, uh, wasn't was available. Oh, sorry, guys. It, that usually means that there's probably an influx of people that are calling at the, the same time. So just give it another try and, you know, wait until the hotline. The hotline is available. Oh, hi. You've reached the Zach Pack. Oh, so one more time, guys. That number is 323-389-5915. You can call in and leave me a voicemail. Mention your name, mention where you're calling in from. That way I can give you that cute little shout out. Shout out to Kiki Monique from the Talk of Shame. I loved getting to have her on the podcast today because she had that Girardi tea. I look forward to her being back in downtown so that she and I can grab some drinks um, and live life and see what's going to happen with this whole Girardi case. It's going to be wild. Thank you guys for joining in this week, chatting with me, calling, leaving voicemails, all of our lives on Thursday nights. We will end with an Ask Zach so you can call into the hotline and leave me a voicemail. Um, Get ready. I love you. I appreciate you. I am so grateful to have you guys here in the live chat with me, to have you call into the hotline, to have you continue to support me. We were no, we made, since uh, this week, we made number 35 on the Apple Top 100 charts and 20 or in the U.S. and number 25 in the Spotify, or sorry, 35 on the Spotify U.S. charts. I believe we also got 35 on the U.S., Apple charts as well. And then we hit number 25 on the Spotify Australian charts as well. So thank you for all the Aussie love. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. You can always keep up with me at Just Plain Zach all over the internet, or you can follow the podcast specifically at No Filter with Zach. I will be going to Erica Jane's residency this weekend. Bet it all on Blonde. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, it is in Vegas, Mandalay Bay, House of Blues. Go get your tickets right now. I will see you this Friday and Saturday and then Sheena's show I'm doing on Sunday. So get ready. It's going to be a big one. Love you. Mean it. Ciao for now. Good night, guys. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye.